This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd with His Excellency Archbishop Alexander Sample. I'm Dina Marie, and today we're going to focus on being an ambassador of hope, being in this archdiocese in Western Oregon, and feeding what feeds us. And as I begin, Archbishop, and we look at this opportunity for us, we're being called to work together to support one another in our parish, but also to support the archdiocese mm-hmm. in the archdiocese and the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal. I want to talk a little bit oh, more about oh, that in this edition. Would you please lead yeah, us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Lord, I ask you to just pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in this local church in Western Oregon. I ask you to bring about our deepening conversion each day to your love and to your mercy and and our our sanctification, Lord, sanctify us by your Spirit, and help us grow each day by your Spirit in, in hope and zeal and fervor for the gospel, and set our hearts on fire and unite us in our service here in Western Oregon to, to proclaim the good news. In all of this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. One of the things, Archbishop, I hear you talk so much about is that we're one church. Mm-hmm. And that relationship and coming into, again, the Catholic Church as an adult, I appreciate this more and more. It's not just my parish is one church, but I have parishes all over Western Oregon, but throughout the whole world, we're all part of one right. family. But the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon has a relationship with my home parish, with a vicariate or a grouping of parishes that are in a physical location. Give us a sense, because I think sometimes we don't really understand the relationship between <laughs> There's a building currently on Burnside in right. 28th where the Archbishop works and some other people work. And then my parish is in Medford or Tillamook or in Portland. And But how do we all work right. together? Well, I think, you know, Dina Marie, you're, you're, you're pointing out, a, I think, a real a real uh, issue of concern, quite honestly. And it's it has to do with what we call a big, here comes a big theological word, all right, our ecclesiology our understanding of what is the church who who is the church and i think you know and it's and it's natural that most people and you know are very attached to their local parish community because that's where they that's where they experience and live their faith that's mm-hmm. where they encounter jesus they encounter jesus in his word in the sacraments uh, in in their brothers and sisters in in the in the body of Christ in their local parish community, so it's it's perfectly understandable that yes, I have a, a great attachment and an attention focused on my parish, but I think what people don't understand is that's that's not the whole church, and the primary reality. And I've, we've talked about this before in past programs. The primary reality 
of the church in Western Oregon is is the communal archdiocesan church together. That's the church. All of us together in Western Oregon, in this local church, what, what, what the church refers to in her teachings, in her documents, in her law, as the, the local church. When the church speaks of the local church, it's not talking about my parish. It's talking about the, the diocesan church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even sometimes when, when we hear things like that, well, the archdiocese, you know, as if that's some foreign entity up there in Portland. No, we are the archdiocese. Mm-hmm. It's like saying the church says X, Y, Z. No, we are the church. All of us together, brothers and sisters in Christ, laity, religious, clergy, bishop, all of us together is, is that we are the church. So when we, when we say the archdiocesan church or the archdiocese, we're not referring to some kind of administrative structure above us. We're referring to us. We're referring to who we are in Western Oregon. So the fundamental reality is that in Western Oregon, in this archdiocese of Portland, which is part of the universal church spread throughout the world under the guidance and leadership of the successor to St. Peter, the Holy Father, the Pope, but locally here, uh, the church is the church in Western Oregon. We call it the archdiocese of Portland. But it's all of the parishes and the missions that are scattered throughout the 30,000 square miles of Western Oregon, everything west of the of the Cascades. That's us. That's who we are. And I may be in my, my parish in, in the suburbs of Portland, but my brothers and sisters in my local parish are, are, are no more my brothers and sisters than, than the folks down in, let's say, Brookings or, mm-hmm. or, or Ashland in, in southern Oregon. We're all one church, and that's, that's the reality, that together united under one shepherd, the bishop, uh, we, are, we are the church in western Oregon. So I, I think that's, that's really where this has to start. It has right. to start with a fundamental shift in our thinking about how we see and view the church and how we understand who who is the church. Right. And we do work together. There's certainly things within my own home parish, whether it is in obviously receiving the sacraments from baptism to confirmation, maybe that's going to be the same parish I'll get married in, right. education, et cetera, formation. But there's a lot of things that one parish can't provide for all of the different needs that are going on. And I think that's one of the ways I can look at how does the archdiocese and my home parish work together to look at there's a lot of needs, which needs resources, financially, prayerfully, and a lot of people who have talents and skills to do those types of ministries that maybe my home parish can't do alone. Right, and I think this is this is this is where the archdiocesan structure, if you will, and that's that's where, you know, when we do think of of the bishop's uh, ministry and we think of his pastoral center, uh, and we call it the chancery, we call it the pastoral center, the central offices, if you will, mm-hmm. of the archdiocese of Portland, which is where you know my office is, and all those who assist me in, in caring for this church. There are things that need to be taken care of in the local church, in the archdiocesan church in Western Oregon, that transcend what any one parish can do or should do by themselves. Uh, there, there are needs of the church that are, are beyond what any one parish can take care of. And, you know, we, we have the, we, we, one of the principles uh, of Catholic social teaching is the principle of subsidiarity. So, you know, things should be taken care of at the, at the, at the lowest level, uh, you know, possible, right? 
but you know there are some things that can't be handled. We we just okay last program mm-hmm. that we had here where we had a, a guest in studio. You know we had Father Peter Julie, our vocation director, in the studio. There's an example. Yeah. Okay, the vocations office, and that's Father Peter Julia, and with the staff that assist him in that office, support staff. He's responsible for recruiting you know, future priests for the archdiocese. So he's there for, to, to foster vocations and to recruit men for the seminary. He's there to oversee the men who are in formation, who are going to be your future pastors mm-hmm. in this archdiocese. He has to do all kinds of things like handle their education and their summer assignments. And then when ordination is coming close, he's got to do that. He's got to be part of their evaluations in the seminary, all of this. That is something that a parish can't do by itself. Nobody would expect, think of your own local right. parish. Your parish cannot and, and should not be responsible for the whole burden of vocations to the priesthood for the Archdiocese of Portland, your future pastor. So there's, a, there's an example of something that the bigger church has to take care of, mm-hmm. the larger church, the local church, the Archdiocesan church needs to take care of that need for the Archdiocese. You know, we, we, we have a system of Catholic schools that needs coordination and, and supervision and, and guidance. Quite honestly, there's a lot of administrative pieces that right. people don't even think about probably. You know, but there are a lot of there's a lot of administrative stuff that has to be taken care of in the local church. Things like finances, mm-hmm. things like insurance programs, our health insurance programs for clergy and for, for lay employees, our uh, liability insurances, our property management all sorts of administrative things that are, are beyond what any individual parish can take care of. So those responsibilities fall then to that next level that can and should care for them. Various ministries, the whole tribunal ministry. Right. And people forget about the tri- marriage tribunal. Uh, the marriage tribunal is a ministry. It's a ministry of justice. This is where primarily marriage cases are adjudicated in the church. So people who find themselves in the, in the, in the tragic situation of a, of, a, of a broken marriage and who seek reconciliation by, by going through a process to, to perhaps have a marriage, their, their first marriage declared null so that, that they are, are free perhaps to, to marry in the church or to rectify their current situation. That's a ministry of the archdiocese that no parish can take care of that. Mm-hmm. That falls to, again, that, that next highest level, the archdiocese. There are all sorts of, of, of ministries, the supervision of our, our permanent diaconate program and, the, and recruitment for men for the permanent diaconate, ministries to families, uh, uh, ministry to young youth and young adults. You know, we're, we've got a big pilgrimage coming up to World Youth Day in, in Portugal, uh, and we're going to join with millions from around the mm-hmm. world for World Youth Day with Pope Francis. Well, who's going to organize that? you know, for the archdiocese, you know, so we have an office of, of young adult ministry that, that, that handles those sorts of things. And I could go on and on and on and on communications, what we're doing here right, right now. Right. You know, these are, these are things that, that no individual parish can take care of by itself and no individual parish would, would be expected to take care of by itself. But this is what it means to be part of this larger church and that we're brothers and sisters across Western Oregon benefiting and helping each other, walking with each other, accompanying one another, and relying on on help from each other to take care of these bigger needs in in our church. Yeah. And I think it's just so important for us to realize, at least I know I think about it, I have the opportunity to receive this formation, but I also, I want to give. And I'm really called to give and serve once I'm part of this parish family and realize that 
also I give to my home parish, but I also give to the shepherd of my parish, to one who is going to distribute to help everybody in my community. And so I, I can't go help the people on the on the coast or down in Southern Oregon. I'm here, mm-hmm. let's say in the Portland metro area, but I know my church can. Mm-hmm. It can reach out through these resources. And I think about the early church. Yep. We all worked together. We all gave the resources and then we entrust our shepherd, right. Archbishop, you know, we entrust that to you and to our priests to really distribute that. Right. You know, I think that, you know, during this during the Easter season, we read a lot from the Acts of the Apostles. So we read about the life of the early church. And uh, I think it was the uh, third Sunday uh, of Easter, we had that, that beautiful reading from the Acts of the Apostles that described the, the life uh, of, the, of the early community. And... It was all about, you know, sharing in in the teaching of the apostles, sharing mm-hmm. in the communal life, sharing in the in the breaking of the bread, the celebration of the Holy Eucharist, and in prayer. But then there was a description of how people would, would, would even sell some of their own properties yeah. and give them to the church, give them to the apostles for the distribution, for, to take care of the needs of, of those who could not take care of themselves, or for the needs of the church that were beyond you know, what, what any individual could do. And so there, there, there's from the very beginning, from the time of the Acts of the Apostles, so we're talking apostolic times, the times of the apostles themselves, the church already had this understanding that there were needs in the community that needed to be taken care of, that no individual could take care of themselves. And so, you know, there were, there were, there were generosity given to the apostles, to the church, not for their own self-aggrandizement, but to take care of the needs of, of the community. And that's, that's, this is a modern-day version of that, is that there are a lot of needs in the community. And this is the church. This is the body of Christ. This should be the most precious mm-hmm. thing for us. And, you know, I just really encourage people to, to, to really stop and reflect on this. You know, I, I, there's... In the Catholic Church, and I'm this is just my experience everywhere that I've been. There's there's often this this hesitancy to financially let's just put it where it is to financially support the church, and you know maybe there's confusion about well when I donate to the I mean if I donate to my local parish I have a greater sense of I can see how my contribution to my local parish is 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 helping is benefiting is is keeping my parish going right because there's a lot of financial responsibilities you know it, it it just it takes financial resources to to have a parish have, be going at it you know and doing its mission and well the same is true of the of the archdiocesan church there's a lot of things that need generosity and financial support to make it happen. And I don't, I don't understand sometimes the hesitancy that, that folks seem to have to contributing to the larger church. Maybe it's because they don't, they don't see, uh, what is this, what is, what is, where does my contribution go? What does it really do? Well, I've just shared mm-hmm. some of the things. And this is, this is just, a, this is just, you know, uh, the, the easy pickings, you know, the things that are there that are obvious to see how my support for my local church in the archdiocese goes to benefit so many people, whether it's men and women discerning a religious vocation, whether it's people trying to 
straighten out their marital situation so that they can receive the sacraments in the church, whether it's so, you know, uh, someone can have health insurance uh, who's working for the church versus mm-hmm. someone who wants to go to World Youth Day, but how do I, how do I get plugged into that? And on and on and on yeah. and on. So I, I just, uh, it, seems, it seems strange to me, not strange, yeah, it is a little strange to me that people will, they'll donate in a heartbeat to the American Humane Society, you know, because they see a, a, a touching commercial on television, or they'll they'll donate to their favorite university, Catholic University, or to their, their Catholic healthcare system, whatever it is, or to to, to any numerous mm-hmm. charitable uh, organizations that mean something to them. And, and praise God, I mean, I contribute to a whole lot of those sorts of things myself. Right. But when it comes to the church. Uh, we need to have that same concern and realize this is the most important mm-hmm. reality. This is this is the salvation of souls we're talking about here. Yeah. This is the proclamation of the gospel. This is fulfilling the great commission that Jesus gave us to proclaim uh, the good news. So I, I just I, I I would hope that people would have a, a, a deeper and broader sense of of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ in the Catholic Church, uh, and 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 to really morally, spiritually, through prayer, support the work of all of us together, but also uh, to our ability to, to, to help even in fund the mission. You know, it's funding the mission. It you know, is it's funding, funding the, mission. the mission. That's right. That's right. And I look at the communication tool that we have. We have a communications that's office right. and a marketing office to continue to spread and to, to get that information out. But around 65% supports our clergy from what we talked about earlier, vocational support, right. but also throughout their ministry. And then I think about all of the priests who are retired, where they live, their health care, our religious that serve here, that we're the priests don't just leave and we don't take, no, we take care no, of I our mean, and families. That, and that's very true, you know, and that's another area where we we need, we, we support, you know, yeah. and our senior priests, those priests who are no longer in an archdiocesan assignment or of an age where we call it pre- senior priest status. I don't use the word retired priest because priests never really retire. Right, that's true, that's uh, true. But uh, there's a lot of, yes, they have their social security, yes, they have a pension, but there's a lot of needs that mm-hmm. our senior priests have that they can't take care of financially right. for themselves. And so the, the the church, the diocesan church, is responsible for caring for those men now who have served long and hard in the vineyards of the Lord and and now in their in their senior years need TLC. They need some tender loving care. They need the church to help take care of them in, in, in gratitude for their, their, their service in the past and, the, and their ongoing service. And there's sometimes there's tremendous health and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, mainly around health needs that come up that, that they're just beyond them to, to take care of. And so we take care of them. And again, yeah. where does that, that, that's not your parish's responsibility to take care of all the senior priests, but together we do this. Mm-hmm. By, by by supporting them and showing our continued love for them. Yeah, I think just to realize how important it is for us to be able to trust, to be able to trust the Lord's going to take care of my gift, you know, and yeah, there's a lot of people asking for our resources, yeah. but I give back to my faith. And and the faith that God is You know, I, here's a here's a little formula. Okay, and I you know, and, and listen, a lot of priests don't like to talk about money. Right. <laughs> a lot of bishops don't like to talk about money. I'll be very honest with you. I don't particularly relish talking about it either. But 
we, we should and we have to. And Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus, listen, a lot of the examples Jesus used in his parables revolved around how do we use our resources. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But here's a little a rule of thumb that somebody taught me very early on in my priesthood. If we're going to be a true tither, let's say, okay, a, a, the, the true tither, the true 10, I call them the 10 percenters. The folks who are going to take that first 10%, yes, folks, before taxes, (laughs) (laughs) that first 10% of my monthly income, and that goes to others. That goes to to my charitable contribution, my tithing, my my gift back to God. The rule of thumb someone once taught me is, okay, of that 10% that I'm going to give, if we can give that, and I realize some people struggle financially and, and, and are stressed financially tremendously, and I realize that 10% is just not possible for them. But whatever we're going to give, let's say it is the 10% if we're able to do that. 5% to my parish, 1% to the local church, Mm -hmm. to my archdiocesan church, maybe to the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal to help support the works of the church. And then the other 4% for the other various charities that I am particularly devoted to and attached to and that I think are doing good work. And I think that's a nice, a nice approach uh, to take, you know, with our giving. But what I have found out for myself, um, and I made, you know, uh, I, I thank God for that, that, that from my first day as a priest, I made a commitment uh, to tithe. So from day one, I, I've just always had this practice. But I can tell you, especially in the early years, there were some months where it was a little tight, and I thought, well, I don't know if I can quite do it this month. But I would take that step out in faith and say, no, this is first. Mm-hmm. And then, and again, we don't do it for this purpose, but then it would be like something would happen. And there would be some kind of a windfall or something would happen that it would, it would, it would relieve me. And I, I remember a layman back in Michigan that used to, to inspire me when he would talk about this. Uh, you can't outdo God in generosity. Mm-hmm. You can't outgenerous God. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, he's always going to be more generous than you. I remember this same guy. He was talking about how, uh, you know, he ended up doing fairly well for himself later in life. But is a young couple starting out in their marriage. They had a boatload of kids, and he wasn't making very much money. He was in radio work, and it was a struggle. And it's like, uh, how am I going to make this? And I don't know if it was the advent of powdered milk or what, but I remember him telling the story about all of a sudden he latched on to powdered milk. And it made a dramatic, because you're, you're trying to feed all these kids and milk, <laughs> right. was a, milk was a big thing he gave kids. But when, somehow when he discovered powdered milk, it made this huge financial difference in his family. And he, he was, he was he, so, so in other words, he took this leap in faith and then an, an answer came that, that, that helped him. So, and again, it's, it's, not, it's not about, uh, you know, and, and, and people will often say, and maybe some of you, even listeners might be saying, oh, you know, this is all the church does is talk about money. Well, you know, I don't think that's true. I think Mm-mm. that's a gross caricature and, it's, uh, you know, sometimes an excuse people use. But, um, you know, we need to do the mission that Jesus gave us to do, whether that's on my local parish level in my parish, in the ministries of my parish, in the support of my parish, in keeping the lights on, and paying the, the, the heating bill, in, in uh, supporting the pastor and the, and the staff that help run the parish, and wanting to pay people a just wage, whether it's the school, 
uh, all of these things. This is the ministry of the church. This is the ministry that Jesus gave us to do, to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring people to faith in Christ, to bring people into a life-giving, transformative, ongoing encounter with Jesus. That's the mission of the church. And the, the reality is, in the world today, that takes resources to make that happen. But again, just go back to the Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. It was there in the beginning. People needed to give of their blessings, giving back to God from what he had already given them uh, in order to, to, to further the most important mission of any organization in the entire face of the earth. There's no organization, there's no community, there's no institution, if you want to put it that way, on the face of the earth that has a more important mission than the church to bring people to life in Christ and ultimately to bring people to eternal life. Bring people to Jesus. And it is that time, talent, and treasure. It's a sacrifice. What do we bring to the Mass? Our sacrifice. We bring some of what we've earned, some of who we are in our prayers, in our volunteerism, but also in the financial resources that the Lord has Absolutely. blessed Absolutely. And it's so good that you mentioned time, talent, and treasure. That's kind of been the stewardship mantra yeah. for decades now. You know, you give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And quite honestly, there are a lot of people that don't have a lot of treasure to give. Mm-hmm. And I know there's even some, uh, you know, I've met many communities within the Archdiocese of Portland where that's a real issue. You know, they don't have the financial resources to give, but what they will give is their heart. Yes. They'll give their, their all the time that, that, that you ask of them. They'll bring their talents to the table to help the parish in so many ways. So it, it isn't just about, it isn't just about the bucks, the mm-hmm. dollars and the, and the money that goes in the plate on Sunday or through online giving. Uh, or automatic withdrawals it's 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 giving of ourselves that's the point is this is giving of ourselves to further the mission that Jesus has given mm-hmm. us all to do whether that's my time that's whether that's my talent or whether it's my my blessings and treasure mm-hmm. whatever i give it's a gift of myself i don't feel I don't give begrudgingly. I don't, you know, what did St. Paul said? God loves a cheerful giver, right? That's right. I don't give this begrudgingly. I don't give it in pain. I give it because of in joy and, and, and for wanting to give back to God from all that he has given me. Uh, and I think that's, that's the heart of stewardship. Mm-hmm. It's not so much, this is going to sound strange. It's not, you know, even though I've been talking about all these needs, right? I give not so much because there is a need. I give because I, I need to give. Mm-hmm. I need to give back to God from all the blessings that he has given me. Yeah. And it, so it's, it's not just the needs that are there that need to be taken care of. I have a need to give. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the heart of stewardship. Yeah. And I think if people really think about it, when you do give, you do experience true joy. Oh. Because the Lord has put that on your heart. That's right. To give is to serve and to love and to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. So I just encourage people to be generous, to continue to pray. Pray for our priests, pray for our seminarians, pray for the church, especially for our young people. As we get closer to the end of the school year, I just pray for our families and their great needs. And with that, would you help us close in your blessing? Yes, and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. And we want to thank you for listening and tuning into the program. Invite you to join us again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. 
You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.